pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 250. Today I'm going to chat with Jens Croak from Walther, discuss details on the new gun control framework announced by the Senate, highlight a new 5.7 from FN, and talk about gas prices you won't believe. I'm your host, Ava Flanell. Jens, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing well. I mean, as we were discussing before the show started, things are a little chaotic. I'm in the process of selling my house, and I actually have a really big announcement. So the last couple of weeks, I've been working with a local gun store range. In January, there was a gun store called DCF Guns, and they're in Castle Rock, and they bought Whistling Pines Gun Club, which there's two locations here in the Springs, and it's kind of like a country club, but like revolving around guns. So there's a gun range, uh, indoor gun range, the west side has like a hundred yard range along with 25 yard ranges for handguns. One of them has their liquor license. They sell cigars. You can go out on the balcony and smoke. And it's just a beautiful setup. Anyway, so my training business ended up essentially getting bought out and I've joined forces with them and I'm a shareholder. And then I'm also going to be working there part-time teaching classes you know, doing social media related stuff. I'm super excited to be part of it and to have ownership of these three locations because, I mean, they're just like killing it. And honestly, it's one of those things where if I didn't join forces with them, as far as their training goes, it probably would have been quite the competition. I finally just signed the documents for that yesterday. So that's a huge lift off my back. And now I just need to sell my house and then things will be great. (laughs) That's awesome. You know, we actually filmed our WMP commercial uh, right outside of Castle Rock. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Uh, Sedalia, maybe something like that. Okay. Yeah. I'm familiar with that. Yeah. Very nice. Well, if you guys want to do anything in the future, any, I know actually this weekend they're doing like a Springfield event. It was like three or four weekends ago. They did an HK event. We'll have to do a Walther event. Yeah, for sure. Anyways, okay, so before we talk about everything that you do at Walther, I'm going to take a quick break, talk about Smith & Wesson. If you guys are in the market for a new AR, definitely check out the new Frontier models from Smith & Wesson. They have a number of new options to choose from, all with upgrades from a standard AR right from the factory. They all have the popular B5 systems, the SOP mod stock, B-grip to start with. Some models have the ergonomic BCM gunfighter forend with MWOC and others include a full length free flow aluminum forend with MWOC all around. Base models have 16 inch barrels, flat face triggers, and A2 flash hiders. Upgraded models have the PWS muzzle brakes, Radian Raptor charging handles, and you can get it up to a 20-inch barrel. So definitely check that out at smith-wesson.com if you're in the market for a new AR. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. All right, so Walther. So before we start, 
gens, and people are probably wondering if they're hearing me correctly, if I'm adding an S to your last name. So, and I'm sure that you've gotten this a lot. You're probably just over it, but why the S after Jen? I mean, Jen's, that's a name that I don't think I've ever heard before. <laughs> yeah. So it's, um, my grandfather was Danish and um, it's a family name. Uh, oh, okay. Common in Denmark and Germany and certain parts of Europe. So, you know, when I go over to visit the Germans in Walther, they're, very familiar with the name, but uh, there's not too many of us roaming around here in the States. Yeah. We have a mutual friend, Jeremy. And when he wrote an email putting us in touch with each other, I thought that he just had a typo. And I thought that it was essentially a woman that I was supposed to be talking to. So then when I was at the NRA show at the Walther booth, and I was like, okay, there should be a woman here named Jen. <laughs> and yeah, so sorry about that. I get that a lot. So no, no big deal. <laughs> But essentially, you're the VP of marketing at Walther. But before we get into that, give me a little bit about your background, like what got you started in the industry, where you worked previously, all of that good stuff. Yeah, for sure. So I guess you could say I started in the industry when I was, oh, 10 or 12 years old. I was a competitive sporting clay shooter. So I was shooting all over the country, shooting shotguns every weekend. Uh, and I was a sponsored shooter for a few smaller companies. And then I had several, you know, close friends and people who would work on my guns at Beretta. And, um, you know, I just continued to compete through high school and kind of got out of it when I went to college. And then uh, towards the end of my college, uh, reconnected with some friends at Beretta and went to work for Beretta pretty much right out of college as a outside sales guy. So I was eating the roads for them for a few years and then worked for a, an independent rep agency. It had some really good lines. Uh, one of those lines was Benelli. Uh, wow. So I went to work for Benelli Corporate up in the Washington DC area for four or five years, or I guess four years. And then, uh, you know, kind of just decided I wanted to move out of the DC area, I grew up in the South and just didn't really like the the whole DC thing. It was during uh during Obama's time there. So it was it was a little rough being a conservative in DC. Right. And so I, you know, wanted to uh move and found an opportunity with STI out in um Georgetown, Texas. So I moved to Texas and spent three, three and a half years out there and then left there in uh 2018 and bounced a, a little bit for a little while and landed here at Walter about two and a half years ago. So really, uh, really enjoy it here. We're in Fort Smith, Arkansas, which is a beautiful area. I grew up in North Georgia, so it's a lot like where I grew up as far as culture and people. Uh, it's really nice and it's a little, little warm right now, but other than that, we're loving it here. What is the temperature there? Uh, it'll be in the high 90s today. Okay. It's actually been pretty warm here in Colorado. I think it's supposed to be 91. Oof, yeah. Yeah. And of course, it all happens when I had to take my gun wall off and repaint my house. I mean, I have central AC, but for some reason, the top, the second floor, it doesn't really hit quite as well as it does on the first floor. And so it was pretty, yeah, it, it, it kind of sucked. I guess a lot of places out there don't have AC, do they? Yeah, actually. So I felt bad because I was complaining to my neighbor that I was like really hot. And I usually have 
because my bedroom's on the second floor and because the AC just doesn't come up to the second floor quite as well. I usually always put like a window unit, which looks super ghetto, but I'm like, whatever, I don't care. Cause I like it like cold when I go to sleep. Yeah. And I have been putting it off, putting it in my window because obviously I'm showing my house. So I don't want it to look ghetto and I don't want people to think like, oh, well, what's wrong with the AC? Yeah. <laughs> which I don't think anything's wrong with it. I think I want to think that that's normal for the AC just not to be as effective on the second floor because, you know, heat rises. But uh, here I am complaining to my neighbor and they're like, yeah, we don't have AC. And I'm just like, uh, what are you <laughs> doing with your life? <laughs> not to mention, I mean, an AC unit is like a few hundred dollars and I'm like a totally well worth it. Just, <laughs> you know, I mean, if you're thinking about like just sleeping better and being more productive the next day, but I hear you. Did you start off at Walther as your role as VP? Yeah. So I started here as a VP of marketing and product development. And um, that's what I still do now. So nice. And you guys have, I mean, Walther right now is just killing it with a bunch of new products. At NRA, I got to see the PDP, the F series. And the F series, this is interesting. So this is a firearm that was designed specifically for women which I think is kind of bold because, you know, you have, if you look at Smith and Wesson, they have the shield easy and they might try to market it more towards women, you know, because it's an easier slide to rack. It has the little slots on the side of the magazine. So it's easier to load the magazine. They have, everything's about it is easier, but they didn't really direct it towards women. It was more people who I mean, really, it could be anybody who shoots the gun, but mostly people that might, you know, lack hand strength. So I thought in a way, you know, the F series, because it's specifically for women, it almost it almost takes away from like men buying that gun. Yeah. And, I mean, so tell sure, me a little bit about that. Yeah, for sure. It was a, a little bit of a risk. You know, we thought we might turn off some some male customers. But, you know, we really wanted to build a duty gun that was ergonomically designed for women. And yeah. you know, when, when we go out and teach classes and shoot and, you know, um, female shooters typically have smaller hands and smaller hands in certain areas, yeah. not smaller in, you know, all the same areas. So like the top of your hand is proportionally smaller than ours by like 20 or 30%, whereas the bottom's only like 10% smaller. So, you know, we were able to kind of find out things like that and really design the grip around giving a shooter with smaller hands, specifically a female shooter, a, a better grip on a gun with proper trigger finger placement and a real grip where you can actually control it. And then we added a few other features like the slide being easier to rack and, you know, but we really wanted to keep all the same features of our PDP and really have this as a duty rated gun, right? So. You know, we, we're confident selling this gun to law enforcement. We're confident selling this gun to, to people who train, you know, daily, weekly, monthly, whatever it is. You know, this gun's built to be shot. Went through the same 70,000-round torture test as our, our regular PDPs. Um, we didn't really want to just paint it and shrink it like so many yeah. people do, you know, not to call out anybody specific. But, you know, our industry as a whole tends to make girls guns pink and smaller and that's not necessarily what um mm -hmm. what female shooters need to actually shoot better um, yeah so we really wanted to design this gun around making it easier to shoot and to be a more efficient shooter with this gun 
And you guys also worked with some pretty influential women in the industry, Gabby Franco, Tatiana Whitlock, Michelle, lots of people that are just, they're amazing shooters. And I'm assuming, did you guys get any feedback from them originally? Or was it after you came out with a gun, you were like, okay, if you guys could test this gun out for us, let us know what you think. (laughs) No, they've been involved since the very beginning, you know, really Tatiana and Gabby, you know, we were sending them um, guns made out of Bondo to adjust the grip and and to wow. make sure that the measurements that we had taken and the ergonomics that we developed were actually real and not just something that looked good on paper. Yeah, uh, so they've been involved in this process for you know two and a half, three years, um, wow. kind of from the very beginning. And the language we we use around the guns, the the advertising message, that's all you know, kind of. They had a, a huge amount of input on that. And then for sure, Michelle, and we brought in uh, Robin Sandoval of A Girl and a Gun mm-hmm. uh, to help out a couple of years ago. So we kind of had this panel of experts, including everyone we've talked about, plus Beverly Jedlinski, who is Scott Jedlinski's wife. We know him as Modern Samurai Project. And we kind of ran everything by them, our, our whole messaging, our everything. And they were the first people to get guns or see guns uh, and really give us feedback. And the feedback that they gave us turned into real changes to those guns. Mm-hmm. So they, so, they really have a lot of ownership. In it. I'm curious, how did the design ultimately change over time? So the grip changed a little bit. And then the name, uh, the name changed. And... Some of the aesthetic of the gun, you know, we made it look more like the PDP. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a few more rounded edges, but we kind of decided to go back to basically making it look like a PDP. Yeah. And, uh, you know, really just the ergonomics of the grip were the were probably the biggest yeah. changes. Mm-hmm. Which really does make such a difference. Like just even the angle of it, people don't realize, but I think that's why when you know, let's say people prefer Glock over Smith and Wesson or, you know, 1911 over a CZ or whatever, you'll notice that some guns might shoot better. Like HK, for example, I love HK, but like, especially the VP nine, when it first came out, I loved it. It just didn't shoot as well for me. And I don't know if it's the ergonomics or what, you know, but it really does make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the similar grip shape to like our PPQ and, you know, it, it works for some people, but if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. And yeah, which the, is so interesting. Some of the changes we made on the standard PDP and then F series, you know, kind of take that a step further. Mm-hmm. Although I will say, I think that there is a little bit of maybe a learning curve and you can sort of work your way around it because Smith and Wesson. So I always preferred Glock over Smith and Wesson. And then I started working more with Smith and Wesson and now it's my go-to gun. And before that, I never really shot it as well, but I think, you know, with any practice, like if you're really dedicated, you love this gun and you're just like, oh, I just, you know, I really want to, I think that there's a way to learn around it. Yeah, I don't know. Sure. It'd be interesting to revisit the BP nine because I haven't shot one in years. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think anything replaces, you know, time on the range. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to take a quick break real quick. Talk about primary arms. If 
you guys are looking for a good affordable low power variable optic, that LPVO, check out Primate Arms SLX 1-6x24 SFP with the Gen 3 ACSS Aurora reticle for 556. The Aurora is a great reticle with a large chevron for close range and simple but effective drop compensation out to about 800 meters and windage holds for five and 10 miles per hour. It's a second focal plane reticle, so the holds are set for full power, but at close range, the reticle is bigger to the eye, so just be aware of that. Some people prefer SFPs in LPVOs simply because the reticle is bigger to the eye on low power for like close range anyways. They also have the primary arms full lifetime warranty, and they're only $289.99. Definitely not going to break the bank. Check those out at primaryarms.com. Don't forget to use the code AVA, that's A-V-A, and you're going to get a free one-piece scope mount with every primary arms optic that you purchase. I will say, though, the free scope mount, that giveaway, that is actually going to be ending at the end of this month. Starting July 1st, we're going to be giving away something new. So if you guys have been holding off, definitely use my code, get that free one-piece scope mount, because now's your time. Otherwise, it's not going to be offered again. Tell me more about the PDP series, because it seems like it's definitely a modular design and it's crazy how you can just configure it differently. Yeah, so the PDP is a modular design. It's not like a drop-in chassis, like some of the guns out there, but any slide will fit on any frame. Uh, so from that standpoint, it's super modular. So if you wanted to put a four inch slide on a five inch frame, and have a comp make up the, the difference of that, then, then you can absolutely do that. So uh, PDP was new for us last year, 2021. And, you know, it was a huge evolution for Walter as a whole. And it's really our, our flagship gun still. And, you know, the F-Series is really just an extension of the PDP line. But mm-hmm. we made a lot of changes to that gun to accommodate uh, red dots. Mm-hmm. We feel like, you know, every handgun's going to have a red dot on it within the next few years. And people who haven't moved to that will definitely be transitioning to that. So yeah, uh, we really wanted to focus on that and make the gun as user-friendly to transition to a dot as possible. And how many different plates does it come with? Because I think that's the problem that I'm running into is some of these guns that I like that are optic ready, they're only compatible with certain optics. Yeah, so it comes with um, one plate, and we do that to keep the the cost of it down. So you basically you get your gun and you go on our website, um, fill out a really quick form, and then um, you can pick which plate you want. Mm-hmm. And then you know that's actually really if, helpful. Yeah, if you can't find what you want there, there's several aftermarket options. So I mean, for PDP, you can pretty much mount any optic you want if you're you know if you're looking for it. Okay. And then this might be kind of a stupid question, but the PDP and the PDPF don't necessarily have the same footprint. Like if I were to, let's say I had a holster for the PDP, would my F series be able to fit in that holster? So yeah, that was one of the things we really wanted to make sure we did with the F series is that it does work with any PDP holsters. Mm, okay. Interesting. Yeah. So rail and um, arrow hood are all in the same place. So Okay. Uh, locks into Safari Land holsters to, you know, some of the other duty holsters out there and pretty much any of your concealed holsters. 
So if you have a three and a half inch F series, it will fit in a four inch PDP holster, or we do have, you know, three and a half inch specific holsters. Nice. Okay. Cause you were nice enough to send me the PDP F series to try out, which I was hoping to try out before I had you on the show so that I could be like, yes, it's great. Or, well, I didn't really notice the difference, you know, whatever. And I'm hoping to getting around to shooting it this week or next week, I guess, beginning of next week. But somebody recently asked me if I wanted a holster and I was thinking, well, I did just get this new gun and I was looking to see what holster they had and they had the PDP holster, but I wasn't sure. So I asked them and I was waiting for them to get back to me on that. But that is good to know. Yeah, should drop right in. So tell me about the WMP-22 mag pistol. Yeah, so this, that one I'm um, like super excited about. So man, we've been um, we've been working on this pistol for a long time. It predates me by several years wow. as far as how long it's been in development. So yeah, I'm super excited to get it out to market. Yeah, the Walther Magnum pistol. So it's a super reliable 22 Magnum pistol. Holds 15 rounds. It's really lightweight. Slide is super easy to rack because it's made out of aluminum. Big rimfire, we can put a little bit weaker spring in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also have slide mounted optics with it. So, you know, we feel like it's just an awesome gun. It's a lot of fun to shoot. It's really loud. It shoots a big flame. It has no recoil. So it's it's just a blast to shoot. It's one of those things. I'm surprised there aren't more pistols on the market that are chambered in 22 mag. Yeah, you know, um, we had such a long development with it. I can tell you it's very hard to make it run. <laughs> Interesting. And, um, so that, you know, that might be one reason why And 22 mag ammo is super inconsistent. Yeah. From brand to brand, you know, from load to load. So you know, we had a lot of uh, a lot of little tricks to make that gun run well. And then what is the new quad release on the WMP? Yeah, so the quad release is um, both a button and paddle mag release. So, and they all work independently of each other. So it's a really cool system. So like you talked about HK. So a lot of HK and Walther fans are fans of a paddle magazine release, mm-hmm. which is great and all, but you know, a lot of people like the button too. So yeah. instead of making two separate molds, we were actually able to combine that into one pistol. Wow. Yeah. I actually, I remember seeing that at NRA and yeah. I thought that was pretty interesting because I don't think any other manufacturers doing that. No, no, we're the only ones. And, you know, they all work independent of each other. So no matter which of the four uh, release points you, you push, all the other ones will kind of stay in place. So like they don't push in, if you push one yeah, uh, sort of thing. And they all work well. And I mean, it's really cool. I can't wait to see what, uh, what we put it in next. Right. Yeah. Actually, I do really like that option, especially if you train a certain way and you're just constantly used to that, you know, that mag release, that button, as opposed to using the paddle, you know, I mean, obviously anything, you know, you could relearn how to do something, but if that's just constantly what you're, you know, using and practicing, then it it is kind of hard to go from one to the next. Yeah, for sure. Let's see. And how many rounds does the WMP hold? It uh, holds 15 rounds. Okay. Comes with two magazines. And that is not out yet. Yeah, it's out. We started shipping it uh, last month. Okay. All right. Awesome. That's good to know. I'm going to take another quick break and talk about Mantis. If you want to take your dry fire game, 
on your air to the next level, check out the Blackbeard from Mantis. The Blackbeard is an auto-resetting trigger system for the Air 15 so that you can dry fire without forming the habit of racking the charging handle every shot. One of the best things is it doesn't change anything on your trigger, so you're training with the same trigger feel as you would with live ammo. It has a drop-in bolt carrier that has a laser in it so that you can see your shot and a red magazine with a battery to auto-reset the trigger. It functions fast enough for 10 shots per second so that you can do pretty fast drills. MSRP is 219 with a red laser or 250 with a green or infrared laser. Especially with the price of ammo likely to go up again, I would say this might be a good time to purchase one. You could do so at mantisx.com. Are there any other new guns that you guys can tell us about? Or I know actually I gotta say when this was years ago when I was uh pretty new to instructing, I guess like a few years in. And I just, I really like the CCP. I love the way that that gun felt. Mm-hmm. And I thought at the time, actually, the slide was really easy too to rack. It is. So that gun um, is actually piston operated. Okay. So we can uh, put a little bit weaker spring in there. Uh-huh. Um, and so it is super easy to rack, really easy to load. Um. It is a cool gun. It's fun to shoot. It's a little a little snappy uh, because it's small, but yeah, the ergonomics are awesome. And it's is really, there really fun gun? Is there a slide lock on that? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, there is. Okay, another gun that I thought was pretty before its time was the PK380, because you know there's not a lot of 380s out there that are, you know, I mean everything else is like pretty compact, whereas this was more midsize mid-sized to compact. I mean, it has like a pretty thin profile, but I thought that that was, you know, a great gun to recommend to beginners that wanted something a little more than a 22, but maybe nine millimeter was, you know, still a little too aggressive for him. So I typically always recommend the PK380. Yeah, we still sell a lot of them and, you know, very similar ergonomics to our P22 mm-hmm. uh, ergonomics and controls. Yeah. So you know, you've got a kind of a 22 trainer and then, you know, a great gun for a new shooter. And the slide on that is also really easy to rack, but you're right. It is, it's big enough to be able to shoot well and small enough to conceal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of best of both worlds. All right. And then just to wrap things up a little bit. So is there any future plans that you can share with listeners? You know, we've always got fun stuff in the works. So We'll have some more product launches coming up. So keep an eye out. Okay, great. And then can you just tell listeners if they want to check out Walther's products, where can they find you? You know, what's your website, social media, all that good stuff. Yeah, for sure. So uh, you can find us at waltherarms.com. And then our social media Instagram is at Walther Arms. And we're pretty responsive in both places. So if you have any questions, just reach out. Right. And then you guys should be seeing a review from me in the next couple of weeks on the PDP F series, which I did actually, a lot of people contacted me, um, you know, I guess being a female in the industry and they were like, have you checked this out? What are your thoughts? So I know a lot of people are curious as to what my thoughts are. I'm really curious to see how this gun does. Yeah. Be on lookout for that on my YouTube channel. And that's just youtube.com forward slash Ava Flannel. Moving forward, Caldwell.
If you want to add a good distance target to your range, check out Caldwell's Magnum Rifle Swinger. It's a 3 8 swinging target, so you get a good visual indication of a hit, and it's easy to take apart and transport as well so that you don't have to leave it permanently at the range. The target is an AR-500 like Caldwell's other targets and can withstand 308 at 150 yards. The legs and crossbar are made from rebar, so they're really easy to replace if you accidentally shoot those you know, too many times. The framework that holds it all together is made from urethane, which is easy to put the legs in, but makes a rigid frame and bullets can pass through it without damage. Basically, they're like the urethane bouncy targets that you can shoot thousands of times. So I guess that's kind of sums up the material. Best of all, it's on sale right now for only $49.99. You could pick one up for a great price, but don't forget if you use the code GUNFUNNY10, all one word, you're going to get an additional 10% off. And that is at caldwellshooting.com. Today in politics. Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political AF. Jens, you probably realize there's, you know, I mean, when is our second amendment not being attacked? But with recent tragedies, there's just all kinds of stuff going on right now. Uh, So last Sunday, 20 senators, 10 Republicans and 10 Democrats tasked with a finding, quote unquote, common ground on common sense gun control, released a statement on the framework of an agreement for gun control. Few details have been released yet, and the bill has yet to be drafted, but we know that it centers around red flag laws, funding for mental health and school safety, and enhanced background checks for 18 to 21 year olds. They also said that it would include a uh, prohibition against straw purchases and close the, quote, boyfriend loophole and prohibit misdemeanor domestic violence convictions from purchasing firearms. Until the bill's actually drafted and we can read it, we can only speculate. But like every other gun control bill that has been put forth, there's no way that this could ultimately be a good thing. Red flag laws are by definition a suspension of due process. And in the states that have them, They've been used more for false reports than anything else. Making them easier to red flag someone without any consequences for false reports will only increase the criminal misuse of them. The key portions of enhanced background checks for 18 to 21-year-olds purchasing rifles is obviously unconstitutional. So far, no real details are available on this. But one thing that's been suggested is an extra three-day waiting period for the enhanced background checks. But to suggest that this will accomplish anything is, I mean, debatable. I think it's a little ridiculous. Three days is not enough time to do any investigation beyond what they can find from a normal NICS check, especially with states like California, who just passed a law making it so students that have made violent threats do not have to report to law enforcement, which is so ridiculous. Like California is absolutely backwards. Did you hear about that? Yeah, it's completely crazy. I know that like they don't have to report any violent threats. Like, how is that even a good thing? I don't understand why that law even went into place. Yeah, I don't get it either. The portion on funding for mental health and school safety sounds okay on the surface since that's what we need to address. But there are lots of ways that funding for those can be applied in ways that won't actually help those that need it or provide physical security for schools. But again, you know, I don't know enough details about that. There is the so-called boyfriend loophole, which I've never heard of that. Have you ever heard of boyfriend loophole? 
you know, I read a little bit about it and I think it was basically saying certain types of abuse are misdemeanors unless you're married. Uh, and then if you're married, it's a felony. Um, yeah. So, but I've never heard that term boyfriend loophole, but yeah, it's expanding beyond felony convictions to include misdemeanor convictions of domestic violence, straw purchases, which they've already been illegal. So that's unclear as to what that's going to entail. Another add-on that they're talking about is clarification of what is a gun dealer. This is something that has long been needed clarification, but it's unlikely that anything good will come from this administration. More likely, they'll use it to make it much harder to get an FFL and very easy to be persecuted for not having one. I mean, I guess we really just kind of have to stay put and see what happens once the bill actually comes out. But I would definitely say, guys, you know, keep calling, you know, your senators and other representatives, let them know that gun control is just not the solution. In fact, I mean, Jen, you've gotten into the politics quite a bit in order to preserve the Second Amendment and then also as far as hunting, right? Yeah, for sure. I, I kind of feel like it's one of those things where if you're in the gun industry, like how could you not be politically active at this point? Yeah, I mean, you know, you have to, and there's so much crazy stuff going on. I think it'll be really interesting how they define who is a gun dealer. Yeah. You know, like they define a car dealer as anyone who buys and sells more than like six or eight cars per year. Depending I know. On year. And so are they going to say... If you buy more than 10 guns a year, you're a gun dealer. I mean, come on, guys. <laughs> well, I'm also on the other side of that. I have two FFLs oh. and I used to sell a lot of guns, but then I just kind of gave up on that. I used to do like gun shows and stuff when, I mean, this was years ago. And it just, I mean, you know, like there's really not, guns aren't really marked up that much. So if gun stores, I mean, a lot of them, I'm like, I have no idea how you stay in business. You really have to sell like accessories to like, you know, really make up for what you're not making in gun sales. But anyway, so I kept the FFLs and I also have my SOT, but I'm curious now if they're going to say, well, because you don't buy any guns or you haven't done so many background checks, I wonder if they're now going to say that I can't have that FFL. Hmm. You know, that would be interesting to put a minimum. I don't think they'd Put a minimum sale number on FFLs. Yeah, because it would almost defeat the purpose, right? <laughs> like counter counter their goal, but I know. <laughs> you know, the best way to lose your FFL is is messing up on a forty four seventy three. Exactly. From a manufacturer standpoint, you know, our manufacturing FFL is a is a different, you know, a little bit different animal, but we have a retail FFL portion of it as well, so. You know, we do as few background checks as possible here, uh, mm-hmm. but we still do a few. And, you know, I think one of the biggest issues that Democrats and Republicans alike don't really want to address is, is FET tax, right? Mm-hmm. So manufacturers pay, you know, roughly 10% of our sales to the federal government in the form of FET tax, which goes on to fund, you know, public lands and parks and both on a state and federal level. So, you know, a lot of our parks are funded with gun sales. So yeah. I think if the left looked at it like, hey, we sell a million ARs in this country a year, that's, you know, call it a billion dollars. That's a hundred million dollars of that is going to fund conservation and fund yeah. our parks. So, you know, where's that money going to come from if they shut us off? Exactly. Uh, you know, they don't they don't want to look at it like that. But yeah. 
Well, and then it's also slightly on the flip side of that is interesting where they tell us that the tax money is going to go to certain things and then it ends up not like, I think, you know, one of the main reasons here in Colorado, why marijuana was legalized is because they said that the tax revenue would go towards schools. Hmm. And that hasn't really, I mean, to my knowledge, that hasn't taken place. Interesting. Yeah. And then it's also interesting because, you know, the marijuana industry can't do anything around banking because banks, you know, because it's not federally approved. So they can't bank with, you know, with banks. Well, so it's a cash business. So then who's to even say a lot of that's probably going under the table and it's not even being taxed properly. And I don't know, there's just so many weird, just, I don't know. It's it's very weird. What What a weird time. It is a very strange time. Yeah. I mean, that was slightly off topic, but, you know, (laughs) good, good old taxes, which also I just want you guys to know, because I was this year is when I found out that I thought that the taxes, income taxes, I thought that that's what went towards fixing potholes and, you know, anything that was like local or I guess national, but it actually like it doesn't, that's our property taxes, but the income taxes. So I just, you know, being self-employed, I pay way too much in my opinion. I mean, everybody pays, obviously, if you're, even if you're not self-employed, I mean, I'm sure you guys see a huge chunk of money getting taken out of your paychecks, you know, every two weeks, but that money actually went to like, that was part of like the 40 or 70 billion that went to Ukraine. But did you know that? How is it that I didn't know that like where our tax dollars were actually going? (laughs) I mean, it's crazy. You look at property taxes, funding schools in some states. And, you know, you look at states like Texas or Tennessee or Florida that have no state income tax. Yeah. I guess they're just getting it all off of fuel taxes or property taxes or something else. So Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I don't know where all the money goes. I'm sure that at least half of it gets wasted. (laughs) Oh, yeah, absolutely. It totally does. Yeah. All right, Franklin Armory. Have you ever tried a binary trigger, Jens? Yeah, I've shot them a few times. Oh, I mean, is it not a blast or what? Oh, it is. It's a lot of fun. I'm obsessed with it. They actually sent me one for my AK, which I've just been too busy to install, but it's going to happen. But if you guys didn't know, they do have binary triggers for AK platforms, even nine millimeter AKs, as well as like your typical 762 by 39. One thing though, that they're not designed for is like underfolding AKs or the 12 gauge variants. So just keep that in mind, but definitely check it out. Chances are, you know, they make a binary trigger for one of the guns or multiple guns that you have. And if you use the code AVA, that's A-V-A, you're going to get 10% off your entire order. And that is at franklinarmory.com. Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. Today's Q&A is, did you hear that Lake City might no longer sell ammo to civilians? I did hear this. Are you familiar with Lake City, Jens? Yeah, very much so. Essentially, it's government owned, right? And then Winchester operates it. And it's... So I think they run like two or three year contracts, or maybe it's every year or every three years, whatever it is. 
and a different company runs it. So Winchester oh. has it now. Uh, you know, Federal Vista had it for a while. So it sort of shifts. It's very strange. So essentially they make ammo for like military needs and any excess that they make above what the military needs, they can sell it on the commercial market. Recently, Biden just, they've directed the army to change that contract so that they can't sell excess to civilians, which sucks because I'd say 30% of 556 that's in the market now comes from Lake City. And to me, you know, by him passing this, by him saying that, you know, they can't sell that excess supply now, it's just sort of driving up the cost. So like I said before, if they're not passing gun laws that are directly affecting you, they're coming at you from other angles. Now, as a result, because that 30% of the 5.56 that we see used commercially isn't going to be available, that's less 5.56 available, supply and demand that's going to drive up costs. But it's just like another tactic that they're using to make ammo more expensive so that regular people can't afford it. I mean, that's my opinion anyways. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I think this is still somewhat unverified, but if it's true, I mean, it's definitely them trying to yeah. choke us out. You know, they've I done know. it with banks, they've done it with all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. I know, it's definitely crazy. IWI. The Uzi? probably one of the most iconic guns from the 80s. The Uzi Pro has the same iconic design with modern upgrades. The charging handle is on the left side so that you can mount an optic on the rail now. There's an accessory rail and more modern mag release on the side of the grip instead of at the bottom. The new Uzi Pro all have threaded barrels as well. So, you know, they're perfect to suppress them. I also recently got a can from Silencer Co. that I plan on putting on. And as soon as I get a break from, you know, selling my house and all that good stuff, uh, definitely try it out. But you can get these with or without the brace from SB Tactical, which I ended up changing. I got the one with the brace and I ended up changing it out to give it like a little more slimmer look because I thought that the SB Tactical brace that was on it was a little bit bulky, but just a really fun gun all around to shoot. Then I also thought, I don't know, have you ever shot the Uzi Pro? No, I haven't. I've shot an original Uzi, but that's about it. You look at this gun, it's kind of small. You're like, ah, it's not really ideal. It's probably going to be because it's so compact that you're like, it's probably, I mean, I think if you have the brace, if you don't, then I haven't shot it without the brace, but it actually surprised me. Like it was pretty ideal. Like it shot really well. It was not only just like one of those guns that you need to add to your collection, but it was also like a fun gun and you could use it accurately. And yeah, I mean, I think if you guys are looking for a new gun, definitely check out the Uzi Pro from IWI. Best of all, if you guys are on their website, and that's IWI.us, if you find any accessories that you love that you want to purchase, use the code GUNFUNNY15, all one word, you're going to get 15% off. Tactic Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. 'n tacti talk so FN announces a new 57 MRD which 57 I said this probably about two years ago I was like yeah a lot of manufacturers are jumping on board and creating guns that are chambered in 57 and it was cool to see because I think 57 is a pretty ideal round 
like my go-to gun, if shit hits the fan is going to be an FNP 90. And that's just because it holds 50 rounds. The five, seven ammo is pretty lightweight because that's another thing is that people have to think about like, so here they are collecting ammo, which is all fun and games, but how much can you actually carry with you? Okay. So five, seven, if I had to put, you know, some ammo in my bag, it's not going to weigh me down. The gun itself, once loaded, isn't going to weigh me down. And it's a caliber that will definitely do quite a bit of damage. It's not like a 22. It's kind of nice to see, you know, more guns come out that are chambered in 5.7. The only downfall is ammo companies really need to start picking up more of the slack and producing more. I think Palmetto State Armory, their, what is their ammo line called? Is it like... Ooh, you know, they just they just like, started making it a few months ago, didn't they? Yeah, it's ACC, I think. Uh, yeah, it is. It's advanced. It's AAC. Yeah, that's right. AAC. Okay, so I talked to them at NRA, and they said that they're going to start pumping out five seven, which is good. You know, because I think that that's really the only downfall. But anyways, FN, also known as Fabrique Nationale, just announced the five seven pistol. So the original 5.7 released in 1998, which I didn't realize that it was so long ago. I thought it was actually released in, I don't know. Early 2000s? Yeah, because I just remember I had one and I was really excited about it. (laughs) Yeah, so I don't know. So anyways, since the resurgence, FN has done some major upgrades, so much so that at first glance, you wouldn't think it's anything like the original 5.7. The new 5.7 MK3 MRD Looks like a modern full size with a ton of modern tactile changes. The grips changed a lot with modern ergonomics, nice aggressive stibble texture, as well as a large mag release than the original. The slide looks completely different. Instead of the old Palmer rounded sleeve, it looks like a modern slide with aggressive front and rear slide serrations. One of the coolest features is it's optic ready right out of the box with iron sights that you can co-witness. The Ambi safety lever is the same style as the original, as well as the takedown slider. Trigger profile and guard is the same, and the accessory rail. Magazines are the same, so you don't have to worry about getting new ones. Sadly, it doesn't look like they have a threaded barrel option planned yet, but who knows, maybe that'll change. It's available in FDE Black, and it will ship with either 20-round mags or 10-round mags for restricted states. But one thing that I think kind of sucks about this is the price. So MSRP on the new MRD variants is 1449 which I don't know. I mean, even Palmetto, they came out with a, a few new guns that are chambered in 5.7, and those are under 1000 Actually, I think they're like 800 if I believe. But I think so. I don't know. I think MSRP is going to hurt it. Because even actually the first 5.7 pistol that I bought, I think that was like 1200 or 1100 Yeah, I think you used to be able to pick up the original FN 5.7 pistols for like eight or 900 bucks. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So then when I bought it, I think it was like $1,100 because then I eventually sold it. So I was like, eh, nah, I'm going to need this money for, I think I bought an AR with it or something. Yeah. Let's see, buy the five seven right now for about eleven hundred bucks. Okay, yeah, yeah. I would say that's probably the only downfall. I mean, I haven't gotten my hands on one. I literally haven't even you know touched it. I don't even think I really spent much time at the FN booth at NRA, but they do make some pretty cool stuff. Manicore Arms. (laughs) 
if you have the BRN180, definitely check out the Trapdoor stock for Manicore Arms. It's designed to look just like the AR180 stock, mounts to any rear Picatinny rail. So it's perfect to give the BRN180 that original AR180 look, but it looks great on a bunch of other guns too. I think I put mine actually on my MP5. It's hinged so that you can fold it to the side. And for an added bonus, you can store a cleaning kit in the trapdoor. But in my case, I put some ding-dongs in there, which is all fun and games until it's hot at the range. You know, then it melts and it's kind of a mess. So make sure if you do hide food in there that, you know, it's not going to melt. The trapdoor opens easily by pushing a plunger with a rifle bullet or like a small tool. And you could flip the hinge to fold either direction. And the whole thing weighs just over 17 ounces. Check that out at manaforums.com. And remember to use the code AVARocks15, all one word. And that's going to get you 15% off. And that is, again, manaforearms.com. Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as f- Never mind. AF. Today's AF segment, gas station manager fired for setting price. Okay, what is gas typically right now in Arkansas? Oh, we're hovering around that $5 range. Yeah, that's where we are right now too. And I'm just like, ugh. I mean, it used to cost me anywhere from like $40 to $45 to fill up my tank. And I have like an SUV. And yesterday I filled up my tank and it was like $67. Oh man. Yeah. It's, it's pushing a hundred bucks for us right now. It's yeah. Like I, I feel for people that have trucks that, I mean, they're definitely paying well over a hundred dollars. Yeah. yeah just, I was talking to a guy here that commutes from Fayetteville, which is like an hour North of us. And he's, I can't imagine what he spends on gas every day. I know. And then of course, because of that, it's driving up prices on everything like airfare, I mean, really everything, because even like produce and other food and anything that you'd buy at the store, obviously, you know, that price is going to eventually trickle down to us because of the added cost that they have to pay for transportation. I don't know. It's definitely kind of a scary time. Like, I just think it's the perfect formula for something is going to happen. Like, I feel like we're definitely going to maybe experience like another, I don't know, like definitely probably I would see in the near future recession happening. If I had to, yes. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think with everything going on in the stock market and inflation and gas prices and everything prices, I mean, it's all just crazy. Yeah, I agree. But anyway, so a gas station manager from Rancho Cordova was fired last week for accidentally setting the price at the pump for 69 cents, which I was like, where was I when, why couldn't this have happened right up the street for me? (laughs) Customers filled up at the deep discount for three hours last Thursday before the accident was discovered. The former manager told KOVR that he reset prices for three grades of gasoline that day. He said the last one kind of didn't go, you know, right. He misplaced a decimal point on what was intended to be $6.99 a gallon for premium. Word spread fast as customers told family and friends of the unexpected deal. The result was a circus, one customer said. One customer told the TV station that he filled his tank for $14 during the glitch. He said, I started looking around and everyone had a big smile and they kind of were not looking at you in the eyes, he said. (laughs) The loss to the Shell station was estimated at 16,000 just in those three hours, which means Rancho Cordova must be a pretty small town because that works out to about 2,500 gallons. 
meaning less than 200 people filled up their cars, but that's still 200 people in three hours. That's still quite a bit. Yeah. Um, But anyways, on Monday, the manager, he was fired, unfortunately, and management at the gas station would not speak publicly about the error. But Hmm. I wonder if he's going to have to pay for that or how that works. I wouldn't think so. (laughs) Makes you wonder, though, if he did it on purpose or not. I know, right? Kind of as a middle finger to it as a disgruntled employee or something. I know. I know. I could see that happening. Yeah. Anyways, I'm sure that that made those people's day. Especially since sixty nine cents, uh, that probably that price probably never occurred any time in my lifetime. No, no. I mean, how when I was like sixteen, I think it was like just under two dollars, maybe. Oh man, I remember sub dollar gas, but not for very long. No, if I was driving at that point. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. And you know what is also weird is like as you get older, there are certain things that you just don't really look at the price at anymore. Yeah. Like, you know, when it was like $3 and under, you don't really like, if you need gas, you just stop at a gas station. I don't typically like compare prices like, okay, well, this place is 10 cents or also, well, if I was like, this place is 10 cents less, but also another thing I didn't understand is like, I have a Costco membership card and the line at Costco would just be like crazy. And all I kept thinking was like, okay, at most, like, what are you saving? Like $5? Like the time spent waiting in the line is just, it's not worth my time. Like I could be doing something else that's going to make me way more than $5 that I would save. And now the other day I just drove by Costco and they have people like directing the lines and stuff because it's like going out into the main streets. (laughs) And I still don't know how much they're saving because I also noticed that Costco and maybe it's just my local Costco's, but they never put the price of gas. People, it's debatable if you're even saving that much. You don't know until you get up to the pump. But now, now I'm like back to like looking at, as I drive, I just kind of look to see like how it differs from gas station to gas station. But I would say we're averaging about $5 a gallon as well. Yeah, I think it's going to go up even further before we see any drops. I know. And another thing that people don't realize is they think it's just happening in the U.S., but it is actually happening all over the world. Oh, yeah. Our German partners are paying nine, 10 bucks a gallon right now. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I will say Biden is to blame for a lot, but I don't know. The gas thing is just kind of, it's not just happening within the U.S. So one thing to keep in mind, not to say that I'm in favor of Biden by any means. I'd love to see him out of office. All right. iTunes reviews. Bear Bear Blinka titled Love It, Five Stars. I listened all day to podcasts for 10 plus years. And I don't have a single gun podcast until now. This podcast is for gun lovers who don't like the good old boy format, you know, the back road AM talk radio feeling, which I agree. Nothing against them. They have their followers, but not for me. This is just a normal podcast about guns and Ava's great. Keep up the good work. Now, let me get back to listening. Second review is Daniel Boone, 13, episode 216, five stars. Great interviews as always learning all the time and it's fun. Great hostess and awesome guest that's always entertaining. All right, so Jen's out of the two, the first or the second, I want you to pick a winner. Ooh, I think uh, Bear Blinka wins just because that's a sweet name. I mean, Daniel Boone is too, but. Well, it's also pretty cool that like, I'm the only gun podcast that they listen to. Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, that actually makes me feel pretty good. It's nice because I think that that's how changes are made, not by us 
per se shoving politics down people's throats, even though I do talk about politics. So I think it's important to inform the public on what's going on that they may not be aware of. But I think that if we're going to see changes, it's getting people that maybe aren't, you know, huge gun enthusiasts right off the bat into guns and and sort of clearing up some misconceptions. So for sure, that's what we have to do. And this is your 250th episode. It is. Yeah. Milestone. Yeah, it only took like five years. No big deal. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, but even five years, that's one a week. So that a is. Yeah. Yeah. 250 episodes. Yeah, I actually didn't even realize that. And congrats on being my 250th guest. <laughs> I, feel honored. I really do. <laughs> but yeah, okay. So Bear Blinka, contact me and I will send you out something cool. And on that note, it's time to wrap up. If you guys like the show and you want to support it, consider becoming a Patreon. You get access to our Patreon-only Facebook group, lots of other perks. Like you'll get a Patreon patch. After being a Patreon for three months, you'll get a patch. And this patch is never going to be for sale. And the only people that have it is those who are patrons. So kind of a nice little incentive. Also, Blown Deadline, he gives away a $300 gift certificate to a lucky patron each month. If you guys haven't checked out his stuff, definitely do. It's freaking phenomenal. Also want to thank the $25 patrons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran, 8888, Sake Holsters, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Sportsman's Guide, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Callamore, Daniel Lee, Nick Theodosian, and Melissa Writings. And King of the Patreon is still Jon Snow. And Jens, I want to thank you so much for just making time to be on the show, but also if you guys haven't noticed, my audio might not sound great, and that's because literally my house is being shown right now. So I had to take my computer and move to a friend's house, but I appreciate you, you know, dealing with uh, maybe the audio not being so great. And so I really appreciate you putting up with that. And then also I really appreciate what you're doing and just for the industry as a whole and, and also, you know, helping to make a gun that's catered towards females and their needs. So thank you for that. Can you just remind listeners once again where they can find you on the internet? Sure. Uh, So we're at WalterArms.com and find us on Instagram or Facebook at at Walter Arms. Okay, great. All right. On that note, guys, we're out of here. And as always, I will see you next week. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.